Hi and welcome back to another episode of the Retail Podcast and I'm joined today by someone I came across on LinkedIn, um, Kareem Dokey um, and he's also called the Fresh Prince of Retail and if you see any of his posts they're really really high energy. You get this feeling from Kareem that um, when he walks in a room with retailers that he just brings this really um, I suppose enthusiastic high energy with him to, to the table and I was intrigued watching Kareem's posts on LinkedIn and just wanted to know more about him so I invite him onto the podcast and um, he's based in the UK and he's a great story behind him how he got into retail and um, his name stands out for anyone that has ever watched the TV show um, will definitely align to this with the Fresh Prince of Retail so thanks for joining me Kareem and um, tell us a little bit about your retail journey because we'd like to know how how you got to this point yes brilliant introduction thank you very much i feel all humbled now and uh, i guess i need to dance and <laughs> do all that energy to you know live up to the, the build-up but yeah um been in retail all my life uh having rocking parents they came to the uk and i'm going right back to the beginning but why the hell not um and was working you know uh, on the side to supplement my education and fell in love with retail um when i was doing that uh, I did a general management degree, didn't really know what I wanted to do next. Then uh, I stayed at home to go to uni and stuff. And then I decided, okay, I was kind of jealous of everyone who'd moved out. So I went to work in London, uh, worked in Harrods, uh, which was a phenomenal experience. I think the best of the best kind of retail training was very strict. It was very regimented. Um, you know, you had to be clean shaven. There was like, uh, it was like going through a... Uh, a terminal in terms of the security when you're going in and out of the building. Uh, was there for one year, so, you know, saw some mega stars, you know, Michael Jackson, Madonna, a couple of the James Bond, you know, Sean Connery and Roger Moore were there and stuff. So unbelievable kind of training. I then went to work in, in Selfridges for a while. And whilst I was working in Selfridges, I got into training development um, and I totally love that. And coincidentally when i was at college and school and university and stuff i was always the shy kid i was always the kid that would never put my hand up or until i 100 percent knew the answer then when i was in selfridges they kind of really pushed me it was a new store in manchester the traffic center had just been built and it was kind of like you're one of the first managers we're taking on we're going to train you and then you're going to train 500 people uh go and i think that really took took me out of my um you know comfort zone and i had to then become good at training the first time i stood in front of people i was like i went quiet for two minutes and then there was a film called pulp fiction uh, and then i remembered that line that was like was that a comfortable silence and everyone laughed and then from then it was all good um i then went to work for made you know lots of other retailers i went to work uh, for a company called aldo who had worked for for 16 years and traveled the world with them you know across the world saudi egypt dubai jordan and then from there, um, there was a guy, I'd gone into sales and operations, even though training development was my real passion. I got into sales and operations because that that's where the money was. So I kind of followed, followed the money. Love smashing targets, worked with loads of high-performing teams and, you know, all over the world and stuff. But then something uh, kicked in with me when the guy came from the UK and he did like this, you know, one-day uh, assertiveness course. And that just made me think, ah, oh, I really love that. But, you know, there's so much opportunity to, to, to do more of that. And what I really love in retail is 
not only smashing you know the the kpis and the, and the sales and all that but it's really seeing people develop so that's you know that's that's my pride my passion i came back to the uk started to get into coaching found out the coaching wasn't training wasn't mentoring it was a very different thing and i think my unique style is that i do mix coaching training mentoring and retail operations um yeah so that's me in a nutshell I love that story, uh, Cream, and thanks for sharing it. I suppose Pleasure. on your journey, you've 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 travelled a lot. You said you you worked in different countries. Um, what was kind of the the differences, or what was the challenges? You know, working um with you know working in your own market, working in the UK, you probably knew that market really well. Maybe going over to other countries, maybe that didn't know the brand as well, building the brand. Yeah, it was it was total culture shock for me. Um, and even though I was going to Saudi Arabia and you know I've got Moroccan parents and you know I'm used to the Muslim religion and stuff. When I first went there, it was like almost like forget what you've ever learned in the UK. That's not going to work here. You need to adapt and it was kind of more about um yeah the the kind of the heart the, the louder you shout as a manager the better of a manager you are and that was obviously kind of against my philosophy so um it was it was really interesting but then the, obviously they have a lot of things um in terms of development and stuff which i didn't really realize uh, but they're very structured they're very organized and i think you know the, the different when you're in a different store you're almost like a different person whether that's in the uk um or anywhere you are and you can always learn so i just quickly learned to adapt adapt to the market adapt to the people and i think in retail if you're good at people skills you're used to working with lots of different people lots of different cultures um and that really supports you and i, I feel ultimately that retail um is about servant leadership. You know, that's one of my guiding philosophies. And I think if you look after your team and look after your people, irrespective of where you are in the world, then it's going to be fantastic. And you're definitely going to bond with people and have an amazing atmosphere and vibe. I loved hearing that, what you just said there, that retail um, leadership is servant, servant leadership, because there's a great book, I think we all know, the Simon Sinek book. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he talks about servient leadership, and I think that's so, so important um, because what you said there, when you look after the team, the team will look after the store for you, and I think that's so, so important yeah. and building that team. Especially in retail because retail is all about, you know, how the customer, you know, the, that customer journey from the second yeah. they come in, and if they're not happy and they're not fulfilled, how do you expect them to be happy on the shop floor and happy with one another and and develop and you know employee engagement is the word of the you know the century I think um, especially after COVID and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's really about creating that energy, that vibe, that gamification on that shop floor and that incredible experience that's become even more important as we go on. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose you know your you know yourself. I suppose being in in retail, and I was also in retail. That when you go on that shop floor, there is a personality to it. There is an atmosphere, and you feel it when you go on it. And the customer feels that as well. Okay. Yeah. And I always, yeah, I always think it's it's not really the look. You can have the best product in the world, but it's it's the people that create that environment, that feeling that you're invoked when you go on that shop floor. Um, and sometimes I've gone in and it could be the, you know, 
Um, it could be a multi-chain business where they have 40 or 50 stores and you go into one in one location and maybe three hours up the road or wherever that is, you go into the same store, um, different location, and you get a yeah. really different experience, Kareem, okay? Yeah, um, 100%. And this, I can really yeah. relate to that. Like in Saudi and Riyadh, like there was, and they have massive malls. The malls are huge. I thought the malls in the UK were huge, were, were big and the traffic centre and stuff. But the malls there, because of the heat, um, they, they have like fairground attractions in them. And what I found is exactly what you just saying there is even though one mall was, you know, there might be a mall right next to the house that they could literally walk to. Uh, people never walked in Saudi, but that they could, you know, two seconds away from their doorstep. But they may travel, you know, 45 minutes or one hour away because of the, the customer service was different in another mall. And I think that's a really important aspect, actually, um, 100%. Yeah, and I suppose bringing it back to that kind of where it is different, and I think where maybe regional managers, um, area managers, um, in in retailers, struggle a little bit with what I've seen through the years, um, in in overseeing, you know, these, you know, these they could they could maybe have ten stores to look after, fifteen, depending on the multinational and the the regional location they're in. You could have they could be minding the London stores, and they could be doing Manchester area, wherever that is. But it was the consistency that they really struggled, that continuity within the within the branches. Yeah, and, it, and it's really important for the customer to to, oh. to have that consistency. You know, like if a, if a store's got great service, you really want to have the great service in the different brands. Obviously, there's regional variations, London and Manchester and, you know, Ireland, they're very, very different places. But you want that same kind of experience everywhere you go and and the same visual and all that kind of stuff the standards you know when you go to i guess mcdonald's i know mcdonald's isn't a retailer but you know what you're going to get yeah. that makes sense and yeah. you know wherever that is in the world you know what you're going to get you know you're going to get quick service and you're going to get the same kind of big mac and yeah it's a little bit more complicated in retail than that but i think that's ideally you know a great consistency kind of model uh for retailers to have between the the, the stores yeah and i think yeah, exactly i think what you're saying there around mcdonald's and i give that in an example that you know you know you're getting you know you're getting food really fast you know what the quality is like and i think from the customer's perspective i think sometimes retailers get caught up in you know it, it, it's exactly what you're describing there we, we kind of we get caught up in the nitty gritty we get caught up in maybe doing shop standards we get caught up in maybe um doing security checks with our tags or whatever that is we get caught up with you know these visuals yeah. and what we've to remember is because we're all consumers so even the retailer can forget that they're still a consumer and you know that customer coming in the door they don't get that, you know, it, it yeah, has they, they, they don't care. They don't yeah. care, right? And I think you, you, you're spot on. Like, what I often find is sometimes when there's big visual moves, for example, and this is, you know, great uh, kind of example for retailers, is that they focus on that big move and almost ignore the customer. And really, it's that customer, you know, even more so today in terms of conversion and, you know, with less traffic coming into the stores, that the customer really is king. You know, my dad told me that when I was like a, a wee boy and he kind of basically broke it down for me in terms of no customer equals no job. It's really that simple. But sometimes in retail, we can kind of, it becomes political and, 
you know, the, you focus on visual merchandise and tasks and admin and all that kind of stuff. When really it's like, you know, once you open the stores, it's almost like you're a show, like a Hollywood, Bollywood kind of show. And it's like, let's go and perform and, and you're there for the customers. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think you're right. And I think I used to find, um, and I don't know if other people used to find this, um, where it was kind of maybe forgotten a little bit was that you have so many departments. You've the buying department, you've maybe the, a branch merchandiser department, you maybe yeah. the marketing department, yeah. the HR department, the training department, the yeah. retail manager. And then, so you have maybe six or seven departments feeding into that one branch, okay? Yeah. And, and they don't really talk to one another. So oh, even don't, don't, don't have, even get me started yeah. on this point. Like, I, I yeah. find that a lot of departments within retail, I, I mentioned this within my post a lot is it's not one team. It's almost like the departmentalization is kind of, you know, we're the VM team, we're the HR team, we're the loss prevention team, we're the sales and operations team, we're the store team. And it's almost like they're kind of def defensive of their, you know, you know, we've done our bit, we've, you know, done our conversion, we've done our sales rather than working as a team. And I think that team philosophy is really, really important. And all things... You know, everything you do in that store, um, you know, no matter if you're one store or multinational, should be about serving that customer and giving them the best of the best experience. Yeah, it's so interesting because I, this is the point I bring up, um, Kareem, and I, I brought that point up before that the departments can sometimes work in silos. Um, and they don't talk to one another. So you have the, the manager in the store, um, you know, or it could be a multi-site manager. And they're they're trying to execute, you know, the VM. And then they, there's a marketing department going, you know, we want you to change the signage. You know, we're not, you know, we've had this changeover. Then you yeah. the, the price changes happen. Like so much is happening. Yeah. They maybe don't talk to one another. And then what we end up seeing is, well, why are they focusing on tasks so much and not the customers yeah, as definitely. managers in these stores? And yeah. And we're not maybe looking and standing. And I think there's some basic things, you know, I remember like, you know, in some of the, a lot of the retailers that I had, they had like a service window, which was their yeah. peak hours. Yeah. And I think that was really good where you could task like, I don't know, in the morning till like say 10, let's say 11 kind of maximum. Yeah. And then from 11, you know, 12 till like six, you can't, you can't task. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, depending on whether you're closed or not, what time your closing hours is, then again, you'd have some more tasking available at the end of the day. But then in some malls, they were kind of open till 10. So it's it's really that that challenge. But I think some retailers who are commercial, you know, they get deliveries at nighttime. We do all the merchandising. So the store's ready to go. And I think that, you know, how I try and help is really make them focused um, during opening time 100% or as much as they can on the customer. Obviously, as a store manager, you've got to kind of juggle and juggle different things. And there's different things going on. And, you know, you'll have a fire health and safety visit coming in and stuff and you've got to be prepared for that especially in the uk but ultimately it's like how can i maximize the team and i on driving sales because that's what retail's all about and customer experience yeah yeah and i think that's really important and really really good as well for anyone that um, and i was listening to what you said there and we used to i remember back in 2007 um 
and and I learned this in Next when I worked in Next was you know we had that 12 to 4 was peak trade so we were not it was a non-negotiable and um, yeah. working on the shop floor in Next were not allowed between 12 and 4 do any tasks yeah so, 100% yeah so we had to manage that you know outside to eat before and again what you said after and then looking at because I think the biggest challenge at retailers at the moment is and this is where kind of the operational overtakes the service okay is because they're overwhelmed with tasks and I think you made a really valid point there that there's ways around it there's ways around it as in you know doing certain tasks outside of trade or bringing in a team in the morning before trade to do your deliveries yeah. Yeah. I get that set up so bringing in your team at five six seven a.m getting that done or bringing them in in the evening shift and getting that done so it doesn't disrupt trade so again 100 yeah, i think i think the, you know the the retailers who are smart these days and who are you know conversion led i talk a lot about outcomes and you know, as a, I think what differentiates me, you know, myself as a, as a retail consultant and yourself is that, you know, we drive that outcome. There seems to be a lot of, you know, retail consultants or consultants in general who are very fluffy and they make the training fun and all that kind of stuff. But I think ultimately the retailers that will survive in, in this day and age are 100% customer driven and they've kind of learned, you know, a few years ago, you could get kind of get away with the manager being admin-y and stuff like that. In this day and age, you really can't. It's like minimize the admin. So they just kind of get on the shop floor, drive the sales, coach on the floor, shop floor. And everything's kind of done on the shop floor. Obviously, you have some exception, you know, if, if you, you've just sold out of your, your wall and there's literally nothing on the wall, then get someone to quickly fix it. But it is a quick fix versus like, you know, distracting and, and doing that visual merchandising when you've got your peak trading hours, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the deliverables, we, we touched on this before, Kareem, around, and, and you said it there, you know, retraining within the retail market is very different to training in other markets. And, and yeah. especially what you touched on there um, is exactly what we talked about was, those deliverables, the conversion, the items per customer, the average transaction sales, the units per sales, um, how many is coming in the door, your footfall, um, your footfall versus your sales. So yeah, pounds per hour, yeah. all that kind of stuff is, you know, retail is super commercial. And I think it's really about understanding what those metrics are and then making sure that you're kind of coaching on the shop floor. Um, obviously you can take people into a training room and, you know, I've got an offer called Love Your Team, which does that and it gets people off the shop floor, gets them thinking, makes them really understand, um, you know, what they can control. And then it talks about conversion in terms of the Fresh Prince formula. And then it's like, how can the managers really lead and inspire and make the, you know, in-store experience fun and gamification? And then it's about role play. Like I think role play is such an old school thing but it's like when you get a new starter, you know, usually what happens is you get a new starter on the first day, maybe the manager will spend a little bit of time with them. And then it's kind of like go and then they, they probably won't speak to them for the, for the next six months. And for me, that's wrong. It's like, you know, we all get better with practice and practice and constant repetition. Uh, and that's where the focus really needs to be. And I know that's what you do. And that's a little bit of what I do as well. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, the the role play, and I think Kareem, 
you know, some people kind of roll their eyes a little bit when I say that. You and you know, they go, oh, great. Yeah. Oh, for goodness sake. But I think, you know, and, and as as people, as humans, we actually peer to peer learning. We learn from one another. And that's. Yeah. That role play piece, I think, where that comes into play is that you're doing it in, if you do that in a business, you're doing it in a safe environment. You're 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 not, as you said there, they come in, you do a little bit of training and you fire them out. And really what you're teaching them is by doing that and by not doing the really good training and embedding that properly, you're really teaching them to firefight. And you're teaching yeah. them that that's how we actually operate the business. And, and this is the issue. This is what I think that even with the regional managers, God bless them and stuff, um, you know, no matter how amazing they are, they do spend most of the store visit is like firefighting. And I think, you know, there's so much value in you know, one of the, the great things that I learned about Saudi and that market was they have on the weekends, you know, the regional manager gets back on the floor and really, you know, shows that best example. And he's obviously, you know, speaking to customers, so learning about what's selling, what's not selling, and feeding back to the, the team, and also coaching the team on the shop floor and utilizing the team. You know, one of the mistakes that I made when I was, you know, a junior kind of manager or learning my trade, so to speak, was that I tried to do everything and be the, you know, be the, the superhero of the store. But I learned that this person is probably the best in, you know, selling add-on products. This person, you know, is really good one-to-one. This person can multi can serve like 20 people in one hour. And I think if you have that buddy system and put people with different people, you're going to accelerate everyone's learning so that everyone in the team can use the till, you know, can put sales through and goes through that whole, you know, customer journey from the beginning until the close. And it's a warm professional experience that is speedy as well especially on the high street yeah yeah I think that's really good what you touched on there and I think for me I similar experience in that I wanted to do it all because I thought okay well the team are serving the customers I'm going to get busy at doing all the tasks and and then it got to the point where I actually wasn't able to coach or to mentor or to give them any feedback because I was so overwhelmed with getting the tasks done because yeah. I hadn't really divvied out the work properly. Um, yeah. they were- and it's, it's a hard balance because sometimes if you start serving the customer and stuff, you're kind of not managing the store. I think the best kind of managers on, on the shop floor are the person who's almost like, you know, the conductor of an orchestra. It's kind of serve that customer. What's going on here? Follow up. Did you ask him this? Have you, you know, done this? And that's the kind of thing that I think is really missing. Uh, on most shop floors across the nation yeah I think that's a really good example and I've just got an image in my head of a conductor in an orchestra just (laughs) going like this you know uh, with the little stick so yeah I think that's a really good example Um, and we used to say you know that helicopter you know we used to say it's like having a helicopter you know you need to be over see what's going on where is the person oh they're in the stock room what are they doing oh I don't okay what are they and you'd know within maybe four questions um on that floor where the manager doesn't even need to look around because they know where everyone is because they're on it you know um and it's that it's that follow-up you know within the sales process you know so I see so many retailers a not approaching b saying can I help you or going higher And, and that's all they say and for me it's like no that's not how it should be like just forget the sale almost 
have empathy with your customer, talk to them about what they want to talk about, find out what they need, not, you know, don't have preset ideas and stuff and, and work as a team and make it fun and all that kind of stuff. And the, the sales will naturally come from that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. I think it's the building the relationship um, is is so, so important. And, and we used to always say that we'd say, you know, if someone comes in the door of your house, would you have a conversation with them? Yeah, um, that's, and it's, that's the perfect example. I always use that example. It's like if someone's if I'm coming around to yours for tea and stuff, yeah. even the timing, like you wouldn't bring hi Karim, here's the main meal. It's like you'd come, you know, you'd welcome them. Like, how was your journey? How was your trip? Have you been here before? Or that kind of stuff. Like, and then it'd be like a cup of tea and then it'd be like some chat and then introducing your family and all that kind of stuff. You're really like almost wine and dine. Then you bring in, you know, the main meal and you're kind of saying like, if you don't like anything, it's all good. You don't have to eat it and, and stuff like that. And, and really going through the steps. And I find retailers are too much in a hurry. Like they kind of want to get to the chase. You know, in an empty store, let's say there's me, you and four members of staff and one customer comes in. Well, it's very intimidating. You've mm -hmm. got to think about how is that customer? So you kind of need to be more chilled and make them feel comfortable. Not all five of you go and that's, this is another pet hate of mine. Five of you know, can I help you. And then the second person goes and it's like, no, like that's going to make them want to walk out. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that. I've seen that from a retailer and I've seen that as a customer where you literally do the loop and you you go back out. And it's so funny because, you know, we I used to do store visits and I used to bring the the I used to bring the retail manager outside the store and we we go across, say, across the road and, and the storefront is there, could be on a high street. And we, I'd ask them to just look at that flow of the customer coming in and we'd find the point where they turn around and walk back out. And that was where the conversion, we were losing them. And yeah. there'd be a certain part of that front of the store where they'd walk out. And usually they'd walk out. It, it wasn't really the VM, you know, because we had great front table, all of that. It was yeah. usually down to that approach that you talked about there. So we weren't doing it properly. We were, you know, uh, the retailer was, you know, the customer was feeling that it was too hastily. Yeah, of like They weren't yeah, yeah. able to walk in. Um, yeah. And it was giving them that kind of perspective, what you talked about in, in, and it goes back to how do we see it through the eyes of a customer? Because, yeah, 100%. Blinkers on sometimes when they go into their own. Yeah, and I think, you know, in the old days, you used to think like, a, you know, the best salespeople were the people with the gift of the gab. Whereas now I kind of feel it's more about that consultative selling. It's more about asking the customer, you know, what they need and for it just to be more kind of relaxed kind of pace. And I think also customer expectations have gone higher. Um, and they are more kind of price sensitive and they do know the competition and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the staff need to know their products and they need to know how to. It's all about relationships. That's the word that you used previously that really resonated. Um, it's about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's I think as retail is evolving, I think it's becoming more about building a relationship and building a community around your brands. Um, and, and it's funny because it, it goes back to years and years ago, you know, it goes back to this kind of ideology whereby, you know, we go to the, um, you know, the grocer, we go to the guy who sell, sells us the vegetables. 
we're going back to the butcher again you know whereas i think what yeah. happened with retail was we, we got in these big 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 huge and um, places whereas people now are going back to people you know we, we see this yeah I, I love that i love that focus you know and this is you know is not so much the multinationals but the you know the independence and stuff yeah. and i think that you know you will go back to someone who is amazing and gives you good service and, and you know is really honest with you as well you know you're trying a jacket you look fabulous in the jacket you're wearing but you know if i or someone else wore that jacket and it totally wasn't their color it's the way that you kind of say it. and you know rather than that fakeness like oh you're born to to wear that jacket right and you you might make that sale on that day but they'll never see you again whereas if you're honest and kind of say actually that cut or that style or that color doesn't suit you but I really recommend this. And you, you're coming from a genuinely good place and you're thinking, you know, how would I want to be treated? How would I want my family to be treated? And if you've got that integrity, you know, even if someone doesn't buy in a retail store, but you make them feel special and you give them a compliment, like I like your earrings or whatever it may be, and it's genuine, they're going to remember that. It's going to make their day and they're going to come back to you. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really, really important. It's, and, and I think it's about being authentic. I think it's about showing up as your authentic self and in the way you come across to people that you are being true to yourself. And regardless of you, I think being in the doors of a business and working for a business, I think, yeah, you know, and, and, and I think it, it gets forgotten a little bit about with retailers. And, and I talk about this in a couple of the talks, Kareem, is that sometimes we forget that, you know, we are the brand okay so yeah we don't, like, I, you know i used to work for rituals next all these retail they don't really know the brand they don't yeah. know the brand values the mission statement the values that everyone is talking about yeah. in house okay they, they know you they know the, you the, and you the brand you ultimately, experiences you you are yeah, the brand. you are yeah. the brand and that's exactly what i'm saying like you know as i'm walking around retailers now it's kind of I'm seeing that loss of personality and I think that personality is so important and people, you know, that, you know, all the companies have their sales scripts and, you know, what to say and stuff. And I'm thinking, I don't want to hear a sales script. I want to hear a, a real genuine warm person who cares about me and has got my best intentions at heart. And they are, you know, unique. Yes, they are the brand, but they're doing it in, you know, you know, you're doing your Louise way, I do my Karim way. And, you know, it, that authenticity is there. Yeah, yeah. And I think you mentioned a word there, you know, um, it, around, you know, being ourselves, being heartful, I think, and being being real, being real with ourselves and not feeling that, like you said there, that it's a script, that it's robotic almost. Um, yeah. It, it just doesn't align, I think. But I think people yeah. pick up on that as well, Cream. And I think it's about also when we when when retailers recruit people, it's a, just as much about that personality piece. Yeah, I, for, for me with, with CVs and stuff, I remember when I was recruiting and stuff, like I wouldn't give a damn about the CV. Yeah, It's like I would just throw the CV away. I, I, I don't, my interviews were even unscripted. Mm. I'd be like, I'd just be speaking to them and say like, what do you think of the window? <laughs> totally like yeah. almost like random but it's just basically seeing how that person is and how that person's personality is to speak about any given topic and i think that's the people who are amazing who can naturally go with the flow and you know um 
are just genuine and natural rather than like people who are just going to fulfill this criteria of worked here or they've worked there. Yeah, I love that. I love that um, cream. And it's really interesting you said that um, because there's a lot going on. I suppose a, a lot of what I'm hearing at the moment is I can't do training for my retail business, Louise, because we're really low in staff. We're, you know, the, the manager is left. We've gone through three managers. We're waiting to get in another store manager once we onboard that manager. There, there is a lot of kind of, you know, yeah. there's a turnover at the moment in retail and, and for even for me from the outside and the inside working in retail, you know, COVID changed where a lot of people that were in the, the retail business for more than 10, 15 years actually changed career. Um, and yeah. what I could see, a lot of that happened. And now we've so much experience gone out of the business. And what's happened with that is, is that we didn't actually train enough people in the business. So now yeah. experience has left we're kind of goosed a little bit because yeah, 100 i did a post yeah. yesterday about like you know the benefits of working and, and retail as a career and i feel that people forget that they're very people are very short-sighted in terms of a retail career means you standing in the store for eight hours you know unsociable hours and yes there is an element of that right that, that's genuine and true but retail can, you know, you can go into regional management, you can go into HR, you can go into marketing, um, you know, you can go into visual merchandising, you can go into security, you can become a brand manager, you can go into buying and merchandising. There is so much going on there. And just like you've said, like when you lose, you know, high talent, you know, it does become more difficult because retail, we keep coming back to it, is all about that people piece. Yeah, yeah. And I think what you said there, I think that investment piece, I think I find it's not realized in the yeah. moment until someone leaves the business. And then yeah. what it's put down to is, is no, but we would be fine if they didn't leave. But no, you wouldn't, because when they go on sick leave, when something happens, yeah. the business comes to a standstill. And I always think if you ever um, are, are, you know, overseeing a business and if one person leaves that business and the brakes are put on and everything goes to a standstill, I mean, KPIs aren't being met, things aren't being done, then that business yeah. isn't really operating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lack of succession plan and a lack of, you know, employee engagement. What, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of retailers who see training development as a tick box exercise. They see, you know, annual appraisals as a tick box exercise and they don't because they're not having those communications on a weekly basis, you know, five minutes, let's go for coffee before we start, whatever it may be, then they're not kind of really asking the employee, where do you want to go? You know, where do you want to be? There's so much you can do. Thankfully, I was in a company that did do that. But like, you know, there's so many people where it's just like you just you're just working and you've got this sales target next month you've got that sales target and they might engage them in terms of talking to them in, in terms of sales but they're not really developing their people so you know if you develop your team so that you're always thinking succession plan this manager walks out the door you're you know all gets promoted and it's you know better to think of them getting promoted and going on to bigger and better things you know who's the next person to step up and who's the next person to step up and i think i worked you know thankfully i worked in the culture where it was about that and who's next and they were opening stores left right and center but i feel that these days it's almost like retailers they spend a lot of money they do one big annual kickoff 
they blitz them with information. No way that they, you know, the employees can learn all that information, absorb it in one go. There's no way. Uh, they'll spend a lot of money. It's like, okay, we tick the box. We've done the training. They've had the training. They've had their annual appraisal, but nothing in between. And that's where, you know, these days people are conscious and they've got their families kind of telling them, you know, why are you doing this? You can work from home or you can do this and you can do that. And that's where I think retail is, is really missing out. Yeah, and I think retail, and, and we see it over here, this retail apprenticeship programs and stuff. And I think that, you know, um, there's a couple of posts that I've seen up um, from, from people that are have run really successful businesses. Um, one of them had a tech business worth, you know, I think nearly a billion dollars. And I seen a post he put up and it was really interesting. He said that um, he learned a lot of his people skills by working in retail early on. And I think sometimes we tend to forget that, you know, when you work in a retail environment and you touched on it there where we go onto the shop floor and we put on a show, hello, you know, it's, you know, and and all of that. and, And you touched the word adapting, which I think is really, really important. We learn to adapt to different types of cultures, different types of personalities, different types of behaviors. And we use all of those skills. And those are really important people skills and um, you take on with you in life um, and yep. in situations. And I think it is it is a craft. It is a skill, I think, that um, you cannot learn in a classroom. You cannot. Yeah, there's, there's no way that, you know, a lot of people in retail, sometimes they leave retail is belittled. But I think if you worked in retail and you've gone, you know, through the system and you've gone through the channels you're so employable because you've got those people skills you know how to deal with angry customers you know how to deal with tough situations uh, you have to work quick you have to be great customer service your you know personal grooming your hygiene your eloquence there's so many skills being developed um and i think you know it's underrated unfortunately yeah yeah and i think i think for me retail is always changing and evolving and my hope would be that there is going to be a change where people are going to go and i would love to see it cream like i really want to work in retail i would love to see that yeah um, i I think we need to be the ambassadors for that and you know be proactive and get into schools and you know you know my thing is all about saving the high street but it's a it's really about if you're not you know, operating at the grassroots level, you know, for kids uh, and the youth to come into retail and to take it forward. And yes, to embrace all of this technology and make stores of the future and make it interactive and make it cool and all that kind of stuff. That's how we're going to really re-educate um, because retail employees, you know, in the UK, I was looking at statistics like for 2022, 20% of the population and it, retail sales in, in 2022 as well, in a year which, you know, COVID was still around and stuff, it was retail, it was responsible for £440 billion of sale turnover. That is massive, right? And it's massive to the economy. You know, the UK and Ireland, I guess, was called uh, a nation of shopkeepers. Um, and we're always going to want to buy products. Yes, some stores may not exist. The middle market is going to be difficult, but people will always go into the Selfridges and the aspirational designer brands. That value market is always going to be there. And then the choices for the rest of the retail world is kind of, you know, are we going to be about our shopping experience? Are we going to raise our level? And that's what retailers really need to do. And for me, they need support with that because as good as a regional manager is, they're just firefighting. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think I think we touched on that as well. That that perspective, that outside perspective, um, you know, helping people see that you know this is what it looks like. This is what yeah. you know is is so important. You touched on training and mentoring and coaching in your own experiences. Or been anyone that's kind of supported you in your journey or stood out to you? Yeah, I've had you know I've. I've I've worked with many great leaders and I think that's, you know, made me the person I am today, but I like the leaders who have the tough conversations. I know there was one point where I'd won manager of the year. I was, I'd been a store manager for a long time. I'd won manager of the year a couple of times and I kind of, I became kind of comfortable and they said to me, Karim, you know, you, you've grown as, as big as this piece of paper. Like just imagine an A4 piece of paper to now grow further, you need to come out of your comfort zone. You need to move to different areas. You need to move to different environments. You need to open your thinking. And at that time, I was kind of like, no, I'm, you know, I'm king of Manchester. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm training these. I'm virtually doing a regional manager's job without the regional manager title. And all I wanted to be was a regional manager. But they was like, no, I'm going to put you in London for a week. Um, I want you to go there. And I just want you to open your mind and open your thinking. And, and because of that, and because I took that on board, you know, having that hard feedback, which was honest and sincere and genuine, it really developed me. And now with the youth of today, I kind of feel like people shy away from that. You know, someone just can press a, an anxiety button or whatever, and people are not getting them being told the truth. So I think, you know, through that genuine, you know, I was being coached at that time. Um, and I was, you know, I think some of us in, in the kind of older generation were used to having, um, and dealing really well with really constructive feedback. Whereas today, in today's society and stuff, I think like people would find it more difficult to take that and say, have that growth mindset that they're going to develop and change. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really, really, it's a really nice thing to hear. And I think what you said there, I think around giving that honest feedback and supporting you in your development, I think that's so important for for teams for leaders to have that support um and sometimes it is external coaches sometimes it is cream you know people like you coming in and delivering the training and, and showing how it's done that best practice piece um before we go is there any books that stood out to you is there anything that you maybe if there's anyone listening here that you would maybe recommend that has helped you on your journey um yeah, there's the, I've read loads of books. I think there's there's a book by uh, called uh, Coaching for Performance by John Whitmore, uh, Whitmore um, on on the Grow model. Um, yeah, I know I think, that book. Yeah, that book is really. Yeah, that that book is really good, um, and it's you know you can use that. You know, instead of you know telling people, you know, this is really good using that old sandwich technique. I think by asking people questions, you know, what went well last week. What can you improve? That kind of stuff. By asking them the questions and then for them to come out with the answers, I think that's really a great book for them to kind of invest in and take action. You know, coaching doesn't need to take, there's this perception that coaching needs to take, you know, and training needs to take hours and all that kind of stuff. No, it can be done in five minutes. It can be even done on the shop floor, which yeah. is probably where it's best done. Uh, and I think, you know, that book has really opened my mindset. And yeah, I think it's, it's a great book for people to read. 
Okay, thank you so much, Kareem. And um, Kareem, where can people find you? So we've talked a little bit today. Where where's the best place to get a hold of you? Yeah, LinkedIn is my second home. So like I, I I'm very focused. I know people have lots of different channels. I'm focused on LinkedIn. Um, so if you if you want to reach out to me um, and connect and have conversations, um, you know, I'm there and I'm there to support retail. I'm really passionate about my mission to save the high street, to get people into retail and kind of give back to the industry that's, you know, taking me around the world. Yeah, I love that. Save the high street. Thank you so much, Crane, for coming on today. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Louise. It's been a pleasure. Thanks.